There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, it is Chris Cooper and wonderful to be back with you for yet another week. And um, apologies for anybody who's listening to this live. We've had a slight technical delay, but we're, we're going now. So I want to say a big thank you to my guests uh, last week, to Peter Roper and to Andy Laparta, who were talking about And Death Came Third. Um, a, a great book, that, and uh, you know, fascinating that people put... Um, put public speaking and networking uh, in ahead of dying in their list of fears. I think in America, I think it's um, I think it, it is public speaking, and uh, I think um, second is uh, death, and I think it's paying taxes. I think comes number third, apparently, in the research. Um, but business change today, it's moving at the speed of light, and I think to keep pace, your organisation it really needs to. Uh, be its own kind of career architect and you need to be your own career architect uh, and take responsibility uh, for developing for growing yourself and somebody who's at the forefront of this thinking uh, I'm delighted to have on my show today which is Simon T Bailey and we're going to talk about shifting your brilliance now uh, Simon is a renowned speaker and author he's uh, the leader of the brilliance movement um, he's helped more than a million people find their brilliance shift their thinking and produce some amazing results um, according to the speaker's expert, Simon is one of America's top 10 most booked corporate and association speakers. In 2015, he was inducted into the prestigious National Speakers Association Hall of Fame. He founded his company in 2003. He's spoken on six content, continents to over 1,000 people, including AT&T, IBM, MasterCard, Toyota. He's also, in his past, um, he was the first African-American sales director at the world-renowned Disney Institute based at Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, he's authored seven books, um, including Release Your Brilliance and Shift Your Brilliance, Harness the Power of You. So a huge welcome today from Florida, uh, Simon T. Bailey. Hi, how are you? Good to be with you. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Simon. And um, uh, hopefully you, you avoided those storms over the last few weeks. Thank goodness, Hurricane Matthew has gone bye bye. <laughs> I was I was having a, a slight. I shouldn't, but I was having a slight laugh with my my son, who's called Matthew, and saying there's actually, um, it's it's not only this house that has a hurricane <laughs> at the moment. So, so Simon, tell me, you know, what was your childhood like, and and what set you on that journey to uh, being the first uh, African American sales director at Walt Disney? Well, my childhood started with a dad who was an immigrant from Jamaica 50 years ago to America, and he taught me and my brothers the power of hard work, number one. So on a Saturday morning, he would wake us up at 4.30, 5 a.m., get out of the bed, do something, clean the house, work on the car. He would not let us relax. So I learned hard work at an early age. I think I also learned the power of how to bounce back from failure because failure is not final, failure is only feedback. 
and feedback is the breakfast of, of champions. And I think the third thing that really shaped my childhood was the ability to remember life is a series and uh, really uh, about relationships. So there are a series of relationships that you will connect with and how you engage those relationships determine where your life goes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really very true, isn't it? It's about nurturing relationships. But I mean, um, you know, do do you think therefore that getting getting up at four thirty in the morning was that was that really a good thing uh, as a as a young child? Do you look back on that with fondness, um, or you know, do you still get up at four thirty in the morning? I do. I look at it. I look at it now that I'm older, and I appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it then, but I certainly appreciate it now. Because it's really shaped who I am today, and I do get up between four and five a.m. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> and do I ask so, what time you go to bed at night? Do you go back? Early? Oh, you know, I'm in bed generally between ten and eleven. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you manage on less less sleep than uh, that's supposedly required. That's true, but I sleep on planes really well. Ah, you're lucky. <laughs> I mean, just come back from Kenya recently and not managing a wink, even with a. Oh my goodness! Um, well, so so you then you went to you went to Walt Disney and and you also uh, had a, had an entrepreneurial career. But you know what what lessons did you learn about business at Walt Disney? Because that's quite a company. To you know, it's one of those huge iconic global brands, which a must be difficult to get into, but b I know is very hard working and. Uh, you know, a bit like myself, for working at Mars for a number of years. You know, there's some really unique things that you learn about culture and the likes. Yeah, I think at Disney, I learned that number one, you never cut corners. If you're going to do it right, do it first class. Never do anything less than the best. I think the second big takeaway is always give a little something extra. It's the element of surprise that is really that magic moment for guests. And I think the third thing was be intentional about the people you hire. Hire them for attitude and train them for success because training doesn't fix what management doesn't catch in the interview process. Ah, that's interesting. We, we used to talk about uh, KAS, which was knowledge, attitude, and skills. And you know, attitude was something that was very difficult to train. So you're hired for attitude uh, and you, you, know, you could... Uh, you could help people with the knowledge and you could train them with the skills. But attitude is number one. So it's a mm -hmm. similar philosophy, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you say give something extra, is that, you know, is, is, is that something giving in – your, in your working day, do you, do you seek to uh, over-deliver? Is that what you mean? Yes, under-promise, over-deliver. So uh, giving the customer or the guest something that they can't get anywhere else. You know, it could be as simple as a person, I go to a restaurant, and the waiter or server, when they bring the bill, they actually have written thank you on it with a smiley face. That's that little something extra that doesn't necessarily have to cost anything, but it becomes that moment for that customer or that guest that says, wow, that was, that was special. Mm. Was, was there a sort of a moment then at Disney when you saw this? Was that you saw that giving of of something a bit extra? Yeah, I think it's when I went to work out in the parks. Uh, in the summertime, the parks get really busy, and it's all hands on deck. And my job that particular day was to sweep the streets. 
and some guests approached me. I began to ask them what they had done thus far, and I, uh, they said, what should they do? And I said, hey, here are three things you should go and experience, and here's why. And when I got back to my desk later on in the day to cool off, then it really kind of hit me that I wasn't there sweeping the streets. I was there to really connect and create a moment for those guests. So, so you li- you literally started there right at the yeah at the street cleaning level, did you? And you worked. Your yeah, way? yeah. I I actually I did. I I started in management. But what happens is when the parks get really busy in the summer, it's all hands on deck. So they say, management, get out of your air-conditioned offices and go and work in the park. So that my assignment that particular day was to to work in the park and sweep the streets. I like that. I used to when I was worked in the the pub industry, you would we would go and spend time uh, serving behind a bar in a pub and or, and working in the kitchens to really understand the pressures that they were on. It was really helpful actually. Quite, mm-hmm. quite daunting when you first do it when you haven't got a <laughs> got a clue. <laughs> sure, sure. So what? Tell me, we've got a, a couple minutes before break. I read that you became Central Florida's Man of the Year. How did you earn that title? You know, the Leukemia Society had a challenge where they invited uh, Central Florida residents to go out and raise money to fight leukemia. And that particular year, I raised the most money. So uh, they wanted to to honor whoever raised the most money by crowning them Central Florida Man of the Year. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So you've, you you worked, worked for Disney and then you left and you developed this entrepreneurial career. What was the trigger for that? Why did you choose to leave that amazing organization? Well, if the truth be told, I received a call from a journalist and whenever you work at Disney, Mickey Mouse rule number one is you never talk to the media unless authorized. Well, I wasn't authorized and I decided to talk to the, the journalist. And he said, where do you see yourself 10 to 15 years from now? And I said, I see myself as the president and CEO of the Walt Disney World Resort and eventually the chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And he puts this in print. <sighs> so the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the article comes out, page 12, Florida Business Trend Magazine, February 2002. You can still Google it to this day. And my boss calls me in the office, and he's like, what were you thinking when you did this interview? And I said, Larry, I work at this company whose motto is, if your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme for when you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are, but obviously it does here. So uh, it's funny today was not funny then. So uh, (laughs) every time I I tell this story, I'm like reliving the moment. So a couple of hours later, Human Resources shows up in my office and and asks me to sign a piece of paper that went into my personal file. And it was, Chris, in that moment when I realized that uh, the footsteps were coming for me and they were not seen. It's a small world after all. So, oh dear. <laughs> that, be, that became the catalyst a year later for me to put my resume out on the street and to figure out what I was going to do with my life, seeing I had just committed career suicide. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break now. Uh, we shall be back after the break and we shall, uh, we shall start to move into um, releasing the brilliance and uh, take you out of that, uh, that moment of pain. So I'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Simon T. Bailey. We've uh, um, took, took um, Simon into a moment of pain there, reliving his, uh, his final uh, year at Walt Disney. So we're going to move into, uh, into shifting your brilliance now and really understanding what that's about. So, so Simon, what led you to writing Shift Your Brilliance? What I discovered is that many individuals, as they witness the world changing around them, wanted broadband results But when they looked at their methodology of how they were going about living their life, doing their business, they were using dial-up methods. And what I invited people to really begin to think about, either I have to shift how I think what I do or I will be shifted. So I started interviewing uh, and trying to find out what was the mindset that men and women had as they began to shift their brilliance. And what I discovered, they decided to take control of their future and create it by shifting their brilliance instead of waiting for it to be created for them. And that's quite interesting. I often have discussion with people. I don't know if you recognize this too. You know, people who have been in corporate all their career, for example, and they decide to come out, but they find it quite hard because they've been used to having the company spend the money on their training and development and they find it quite hard to actually invest money in developing themselves because the company always paid for it and uh, you know for me that's you know with the first first one the company is kind of shifting you how it wants to shift you and the second is actually taking responsibility and doing things that are most relevant to your own development does that make any sense to you totally totally and i think it's in that ownership that people take that they grab hold to the steering wheel of their future instead of letting letting someone else or something drive them so we're talking about i'm sure you're familiar with it, sort of nlp one of the pillars of it is taking 100 percent responsibility so you know we're saying saying that what we need to do is just take that take that ownership take that responsibility and take it back really absolutely own the moment life is a series of moments And when you decide to own the moment, you realize that moments create momentum and momentum create monumental results. Mm. So so moments create moments um, and they shift lead to monumental results. And you've you've created like a a sort of step process, haven't you, for shifting brilliance? Yes, I have because I think people learn in steps, you know. And and do do you start with the first one and you move through the sequence? Uh, Correct. So, so the first one is is clarity. It's about 
understanding your reason and purpose. And, you know, it's, it seems a really natural place to start with clarity. And I'm kind of interested, you know, we do sometimes talk purpose quite a bit on this show, and I'm really interested in about your unique t- take on it. Yeah, so when I talk about clarity as it relates to shifting your brilliance, it really starts with how do I see differently than others? And when I when I talk about having clarity and seeing differently, it's really looking at why you do what you do and then saying, is there a better way? And if there is a better way, what are the action steps, what are the behaviors, what are the habits that I need to create in order to create the outcome? But even more importantly, what are the things that I'm going to shift from doing that no longer serve where I want to go? I, I see. So it's kind of taking stock, is it? And looking at that, yeah, where, where you want to go and uh, and identifying yeah, what needs to adapt, what needs to change, how I need to change to to get there. So, exactly. So I suppose you you know you came out of Walt Disney and you know incredibly in the time that you've been out since uh, 2003 you've spoken on six continents to over a thousand organizations that I would have imagined that even being that sales director at Disney that was a step into the unknown uh, to a certain extent for you. Yeah, it really was. It challenged me. It was got me out of my comfort zone, and it really forced me to ask the tougher questions, but even to take the mirror and look within and say, what am I going to do to step up to the plate and make this moment happen? And that's quite, yeah, that's quite, Tom, did you, did you always feel drawn to speaking? Or did, or, you know, did, you, did it come natural to you? Was it easy to do, or was it something that... Uh, excited you but also scared you as well I, I think it's really something I felt drawn to once because I had failed at everything else <laughs> 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 so you know how most people they go to college and you ask them hey are you working in the job you went to to, to college for and the answer generally is no they're doing something else right and so for me public speaking became the thing that I figured out after I had flunked all of my classes, uh, I went to a trade high school and I knew I wasn't going to be a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician. And I went out for sports and I was absolutely horrible. Then I realized that I had a platinum tongue and I needed to find a way to leverage it and use it. Ah, very good. Did you, did you ever, I mean, for me, when I first started speaking actually the idea of it you know I'm used to it doing it in corporate but it was a bit different you know that moving and telling stories and engaging but in my mind uh, there was a bit of me that you know really kind of was a bit fearful of it but I kept seeing mm. these big audiences in my mind as well I'd wake up in the night and I would see it and actually mm-hmm. be shocked that the people were enjoying it and I, I mm-hmm. just, it just I felt dr- almost pulled into it in some respects mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And and you know when you tap into it, you literally come alive, and yeah. you know the difference between just doing something and doing what you're meant to do. Yeah, yeah. I think there is something there about being meant to do, isn't there? So, so um, now in, according to Wikipedia, there's three questions that you tend to ask audiences, and I noticed that was, you know, uh, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if no one paid you to do it? What makes you come alive? And I, I thought these are quite good questions to help you achieve clarity. Um, so I, I wondered, you know, where these questions came from and what kinds of results people get from really taking time to to study them. Well, uh, over a decade ago, 
actually almost 20 years ago, Disney sent me to Paris to design a leadership program for a thousand leaders from Barclays Bank out of London. Mm. They were going to come to Paris instead of Florida. And so while they're in Paris, I was on the stage sharing with these 1,000 leaders, and Lion King had just come out. And I hit this moment when I said, remember who you are. You are more than what you become, which, you know, <laughs> is one of the most powerful lines that, you know, King Mufasa says yeah. to Simba when he lost his way. So some people came up to me uh, and they said, who are you? We had goosebumps while you were talking and it wasn't from the air condition. What made you say that? And what I recognized, the universe was inviting me to do some deeper work into action ask these three questions. So that night, I went back to my hotel room and I asked myself, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? What would I do if no one paid me to do it? What makes me come alive? Because I had just witnessed a moment on stage where I had come alive to something that had been lying dormant for probably over 15 to 20 years that I had forgotten about. But just in that moment when I said, remember who you are, you are more than what you have become, there was a realignment of head, heart, and hands. And I was now moving into what I call flow. And I said, you know what? I would do this for the rest of my life if no one paid me to do it. I, I would do this because I didn't fail at that. I succeeded in that moment. And it became an epic moment that shifted my life and really set the course for what I'm doing so many years later. Wow. So you were still, you were speaking to quite big audiences then at Disney. I was. Yeah. I think I remember going to, I've been to Disney with with Mars actually in Paris and being in a in a room that I reckon held a thousand people, so I may have even been in that very room. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually allergic. I found out I was allergic at that time to buffalo because I saw uh, went to the Wild West Buffalo Show there, and oh yeah, suddenly wow. I couldn't breathe, so I had to go <laughs> go and get <laughs> an inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> so the so the um, second point. So the first one was about achieving clarity. So the second one it was is cut. You know, understanding how to frame past experiences and how do you best and I wonder how do you best frame those experiences and what what do you really mean well the 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 reality is there are people that come in your life there are people that come through your life and with each interaction with a human being there's an invitation for us to discover what did i learn unlearn and relearn as a result of this experience what did I take away? How will I grow? So to, to kind of just sum it up, whoever has your ear has your life. And every single day, you are learning and you are catching something from someone by how they talk, by how they think, by what they say. So for example, if a person says, you are one of the most brilliant people that I have ever met, they just created an experience for you in the moment. And their words have now been downloaded into your mind drive and heart drive that somebody just saw me brilliant. Now, if you go to the flip side of that, if somebody says you are so stupid, that also impacts you. So when I talk about understanding how to frame past experiences, you have to recognize that what somebody thinks of you is none of your business unless you make it your business. And it's all in how you interpret what is being said. I think that's a really important and very subtle, you know, distinction, isn't it? That 
we're kind of meaning machines, aren't we, as human beings, and uh, and therefore what we make the we make everything mean has a huge impact, doesn't it? From you know having enormous energy and enthusiasm through to you know being on a down, downward spiral, <laughs> right? Upon all the negativity, so you know that is really important. But I guess you must also. By you know, you talk there about past experiences. Do you have to go back into your childhood and things like that? You know, to change the way you think because you know, as a child, we don't necessarily naturally, you know, think of that distinction. We we make we made things mean things, which may impact our behaviour now. It all depends on where a person currently is in their thinking and in their behavior. Some people do have to go back into their their childhood, and I certainly recommend working with a professional therapist that can help them, you know, really address some of those things and bring them to a place of complete wholeness and healthiness in their thinking and being. But I know also there are some people who are a little bit more evolved, and sometimes they just need a tweak that can come through a book, that can come through a conversation, that can come through a life coach, that could come through just deciding that you are going to let go of what no longer works so you can let come what wants to emerge and happen for you. Mm. And you're right, it can be just that little that little distinction um, that can be really, you know, make all the difference, can't it? I, I remember one of the inspirations for me writing my book was I left corporate because I got fed up with having line managers and appraisals and board meetings and finger pointing and being held into this sort of structure. Uh, so then when I set up, went out on my own and had my own business, I, I was, uh, you know, thought I could achieve everything. And a couple of years in, I was actually struggling a bit and I was frustrated because I'd always performed well. And it kind of suddenly dawned on me that all those things that I hadn't particularly liked had actually held up my performance. They'd been my friends. I, and... Um, now that I didn't have that structure and I had that complete freedom, if I wanted to succeed again, I had to build it all back in again. Mm. Uh, and that just that little distinction there, everything started to improve from that point, if that makes sense. But it was you know, a little mindset and belief that I had, and which was quite deep-rooted, but it was impacting everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, so good. So we, we should understand those um, experiences, understand how we, we, we draw meaning from things. And then mm-hmm. the third point you talk about is colour. So what does that mean? It's really about with everything that I experience on a daily basis, what's my worldview? How do I interpret it? And am I buying into everything I read on the internet? Uh. Or am I being a critical thinker to really say, well, you know what? I'm going to be a skeptic right now. I'm not going to necessarily accept what's being said because I think about it one, two, three. So it's it's thinking about how you think. And it's challenging yourself not to always accept what everything uh, is that is presented before you, but really begin to challenge yourself and say, you know what, let me ask some deeper questions and challenge my own thinking uh, around what is being presented. So that's that's what we mean there. So give so give me give me an example. Yeah. So for instance, if I told you that it's um, it's raining outside right now. Yeah. And you can say, well, yeah, it's raining, but it's if you look over there, the sun is shining there. So do I believe it's raining or do I believe the sun is shining? And and so it kind of comes into which perspective am I going to buy into? So, you know, when it rains, yes, you need an umbrella, you need to do all the things as it relates to rain. But is it 
Is it just raining or is there a better way to look at, you know what, the sun is going to shine again? Or is my attitude, wow, you know, it's never going to stop raining. This is the way it's always going to be. You know, so it's all an understanding. Whose perspective are you buying into? Are you believing everything that somebody tells you? And, and that's not to discount that what they're saying is not true, but it's it's going within your own thinking, asking yourself, well, what do I think about that? I'm constantly telling my children, do your thinking for yourself or someone will do it for you. Mm. Yeah, in- interesting times at the moment in the United States with your elections and things to have a, have a, have a think yourself about what's really true, perhaps. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, be, and you have to be very discerning, you know, you have to be very discerning. Mm. Uh, and I think we've, we've had that same scenario with, well, some scenario of Brexit over here, some uh, sure. very interesting times around thinking. Um, uh, and we're going to find out. We're finding very at the moment that our food prices are about to start going up as well, big time over here. So uh, uh, there's already an impact from that decision that some people hadn't really thought through. <laughs> 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 interesting, interesting times. So um, you, you, you've got to think about. So we're thinking about um, getting clear about what it is we want, and we've got to be careful about how we, you know, how we interpret. Um, the past experiences and frame experiences, but we've also got to be really careful about, uh, you know, what we, things really mean. I mean, over here we get very can get very gloomy about the weather, uh, and people say, "Oh, it's a bad day today. It's pouring down with rain." It's actually, it's not a bad day today. It might be raining outside, but I'm not having a bad day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> You know, you can, uh, you can still have got pictures of my children in pouring rain, sitting in puddles, and they're having a great time. Uh, yes. So we've got, to, we've got to just manage that perspective, I think, I think haven't we? And it's, it's all in managing that and then reframing it mm. instantly in the moment. Mm. Mm. So, so sometimes if we – is the best way with this, when we catch ourselves doing – things do we do we need to sort of sort of say or saying thing we say stop and have a think about it and then reframe it i say you have to Im- implement what i call the three second rule and when you catch yourself doing it stop and say three two one and then flip it so that you take control of it before it takes root that's a good idea that i just i just spent some time in the biggest slum in africa within the last sort of month and it was very interesting, you know, out, out of that experience, I was asked what was my biggest take-out. I said, well, my biggest take-out is to never complain again. Right. Uh, so uh, I need to do three, two, one occasionally, but I've got, <laughs> I've, got re- I've got a real frame of reference now to help me. Sure, sure. <laughs> right, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the commercial break, we're going to uh, talk about carrots, apparently, um, and uh, how we can um, use this brilliance message, you know, best when – you know, for, to help um, organizations such as uh, corporates. So we're not just talking about entrepreneurship here. So uh, we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Simon T. Bailey. We're talking about Shift Your Brilliance. And before the break, we talked about four steps. The first one was clarity, then cut, and then colour. And the final uh, of the four steps is referred to as carrot, uh, C-A-R-A-T, the size of your dream. And I'm kind of intrigued here. uh, How important is the size of your dream? And should you be aiming for the American dream where your diamond is perhaps a a bigger carrot than everyone else's? Or my tower boat is bigger than yours? Is is that (laughs) funny too? (laughs) <laughs> no, not really. I think uh, there's a lot of people over the years that have made money but had no meaning. They've had power with no purpose and they've had status but no satisfaction. Uh, when I specifically talk about this section, what I'm really trying to invite people to think about is sometimes you can have a 50 by 60 dream in dimensions, but you hang around and associate with people that have 8 by 10 thinking. Mm. So people don't see your dream as you see it. They see you as they are and their dream. And sometimes they try to uh, transfer and project onto you their worldview from where they see things instead of really buying into and celebrating what you see. I see. So you, you have to be careful, do you, when you're talking about your, you know, the clarity of your dream about who you share it with? Absolutely, because they can either literally catapult you and help you scale it up, or they could squelch it and you stay small and never achieve everything that you were capable of achieving. Mm. And, and you can, essentially, you can kind of live your dream out on 
yes, you're on sort of different levels, can't you? I mean, I was I was at the Professional Speaking Association in the UK, and we've got somebody who's going to be a guest on the show, Nabil Doss, who's sort of the voice on many famous movies. He's got this the most amazing deep voice, and he got us to share uh, our kind of sort of our, our our statement about who we were and what we did, but um, thinking about it as a movie script and what it did in my mind, was, was very clever. I, I thought my dream was quite big, but it elevated it to some different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could realize that actually that dream can go much further than you, you imagine <laughs> when you, you start to look at it with you know, helicopter vision. <laughs> yes, totally, totally. And it's all in getting a different viewing point. And it's that viewing point that allows you to see it either from the mountain or from the the, the, the bottom yeah. of the hill, you know, it's all, all in that perception. Yeah, yeah, so it's quite interesting, isn't it? So how does your your brilliance message then, how can that benefit corporates? Because I can see this is very beneficial for people who are maybe setting up businesses and wanting to, you know, reshift their thinking. Uh, can, can this be of benefit to the big organizations too? Absolutely, so... Brilliance is your insight, your potential, your genius. Businesses and corporations don't need men and women who go to work a job, but they need men and women who are going to show up and go above and beyond what they're called to do, and they become what I would call that SME, that subject matter expert, where they know what they do so well, not just because of what they do it. They have studied all the other thought leaders in the space, and they have decided here is where things are going. Then they decide to get out on the front and, and really lead. So, for instance, if a person is hired uh, into a company uh, or, or if they start a business, and let's say they're in the accounting field, well, you can do accounting just like it's always been done Or you can say, if I'm going to lead the field, let me tell you where accounting is going. Here are some of the things that businesses and individuals need to be on the lookout for. And that person really takes thought leadership in shaping where things are going instead of doing the normal status quo. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, And actually, sometimes, you know, it's easy to to think sometimes if you're in an organization that maybe the grass is a bit greener on the outside however being in an organization can give you massive scope to have a huge impact like you did with a thousand people there at Walt Disney and uh, yeah being that being that thought leader in an organization can really mean you stand out and shine can't it yes and either you decide to fit in or you decide to step out and stand head and shoulders above the pack yeah yes and how do you, I mean, when you worked at Disney, the one thing I always remember working at, at Mars was there was a lot of people who kind of all stood out from the pack together in some respect. And it was quite hard to stand out from the pack as a consequence because there were a lot of very bright people who were often thought leaders in their areas. And However, when I went elsewhere, I found that you just suddenly stood head and shoulders above. How in somewhere like Disney can you really... Really, in these these top organizations full of lots of bright people, can you really still stand uh, above head and shoulders with these sort of techniques? Yes, I think the first thing is raise your hand and take on the project or assignment that no one else wants to do. Yeah. Uh, number two, always look for the ugly babies. And when I say ugly babies, look for the the opportunities where you can 
at your essence, your touch, your insight to a problem. And then number three, go to your boss or manager and ask them, what is it that I can take off your plate that you don't like doing? And do it so well that anyone else that comes after you, they will always compare them to the results that you generated because you did it better than anyone else. Wow. Would you, would you, would you though, would you take on anything? Would you look at your, where your own you know, abilities are in terms of your natural flow and interests and... See if you can find those um, those ugly tasks that nobody wants, but actually you're in your flow doing. Oh, yes, that- yeah, no, totally. I, I think it's also understanding what things do you need to delegate and let go of because they're no longer the best use of your time. Hmm. Hmm. Because you can achieve much more by focusing on some of the other things. Correct. Hmm. Uh, find others to do them. Now, I'm kind of intrigued. I know you're a big Buffalo Bills fan, and as anyone who listens to the show knows, I'm a, I'm a big fan of a, a football team in the UK called Leicester City, uh, which I probably mention now since they won the Premier League almost every single show. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> it's a big part of my son and I's life. And I wonder what you've learned about brilliance from uh, watching American football. You know, one of the things I really appreciate about American football is the uh, physical athleticism that these athletes have it takes a lot to keep your body physically fit uh i think that's that's just huge to watch these guys pound for pound and they stay in shape i think the second interesting thing is is the business of football so there's obviously the game that happens on the field but all of the sports marketing the contracts the commercialization of the the business of sports is just amazing. I mean, a multi, uh, if not billion, trillion dollar industry. But I think the other interesting thing is sports has also become a metaphor for life because it's one thing to watch athletes on the field, but it's another thing to say, am I going to stay in the stands and watch the sport of life or am I going to get out on the field of my life and make it happen? I like that. That's really is a really good thing to think about, isn't it? Um, yes. And uh, yeah, uh, and when you go and see a game, maybe there's you, you, I shall mull that over when I'm over next. You know, how much uh, am I really still, you know, fully on the pitch? Am I spending enough time on the pitch? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's a really good observation, I think. Um, so I think it's great to see people who excel at what they do. Um, I just get great pleasure out of out of that, whatever sport it is actually. Um I'm realizing how far people have taken taken their sport and how they manage the pressure and, and the like. So So if you've got one tip for becoming a successful thought leader and speaker like yourself, what would it be? I think the one tip that I would give to people is never forget the power of telling a story. A story that doesn't necessarily make you the hero, but a story that invites people to look at themselves in a different way and challenge themselves to become uniquely different as you tell the story. I've got a little bit of time left. Do you, do you have a favorite story that you tell, which is about brilliance? Do you have a, a nice one we could end the show with? And I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, one of my favorite stories is a man was having a reoccurring dream of a ferocious lion chasing him. 
And whenever he would have the dream of the lion chasing him, he would take off running. And one day he went to see a counselor. And the counselor said, the next time you have the dream, I want you to stop, face the lion, look the lion in the eye, and ask the lion, who are you? Why are you chasing me? So sure enough, a couple of weeks goes by, and this guy has this reoccurring dream of the ferocious lion chasing him. So he takes off running, but then he stops because it dawns on him what the counselor says. And he turns and he faces the lion, he looks the lion in the eye, and he says, who are you? Why are you chasing me? And the lion says, I'm your strength and courage. Why are you running from me? <laughs> yeah. Very, um, yeah, quite interesting, that, isn't it? Gets you, gets you thinking. Right. So it's, I think brilliance is all about turning and facing the things in life that you're running from for who you will become in the process. And, and people can interpret it in a number of different ways, but what is the lion in your life that shows up that's really trying to evoke more courage? Mm. And probably, yeah, re- re- reframing it. Reframing it. So any, any you know, final messages or things that you'd like to leave us with today? You know, I think if everybody realized that a, a paycheck is given to people who show up, but opportunities in business and life are given to people who are willing to work beyond what they're paid to do. Right. And, and does, that mean, does that mean putting in lots of extra time or can you, can you do that by focusing on the right things? I think it's focusing on the right things and realizing there's a difference between doing the right things and doing things right. So when you do things right, you really are very mindful of your time, your energy, your resources, and how you are really deploying those in order to get the best result that you need. Excellent. Well, Simon, thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. I know you've had quite, quite, a, quite a, an intense week, and, uh, and I have as well. But it's been great uh, chatting and finding out about brilliance, very energizing uh, topic, which is hugely beneficial for people individually to think about that clarity of what they want and how they frame things and, and thinking about the scale and size of their dream. Uh, so uh, I'd urge people to check you out, Simon. I know people go to simonbailey.com. Uh, is there anything else you want to draw people's attention to? Uh, no, they can yeah, definitely find me at simontbailey.com. So Simon T. Bailey, sorry. Yeah, um, so simontbailey.com. Uh, check Correct. out uh, Simon's material, and there's about sort of seven books I think you can buy. Uh, can people get them from a- Amazon and places like that? They can get everything from Amazon for sure. Excellent. Well, Simon, wish you well. Um, thank you. On next week's show, we have uh, Tim Luscombe. Uh, Tim is the just stepped down as the national president of the Professional Speaking Association in the UK. Um, but Tim is. Is, is a real expert when it comes to things like mergers and acquisitions and selling your company, buying companies. He's got financial background. So we're going to have a, a, a conversation next week about really setting your business up so ultimately you could sell it and how, how would you go about uh, effectively selling it. And you know, he knows all of the insider thoughts and advises lots of organizations about how to get ready for sale really. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Once again, uh, Simon T. Bailey, wonderful to speak to you. And I wish you all uh, well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.